Blog Talk Radio. Um, 
Yep. Which, a lot of people got theirs today, I've, I'm hearing. Exactly. And, but with zero mm-hmm. support from the Republicans. So give me a good argument Correct. as to why that you think that the Democrats should not pull the level on the filibuster. And before you do that, if you'd, okay. like, to join the, if you'd like to join the show live, call 516-531-9990, and now it's yours almost. Thanks. Well, there's a couple of issues there. It's a, it's a, it's a good question. Um, the, the first issue is why was there no Republican support for the COVID-19 relief package? And um, I think it's pretty clear that uh, Republicans have no intention, especially at the federal level, of even attempting to govern responsibly. Um, it's obvious that some sort of COVID-19 relief package was necessary. Um, When he was president, President Trump actually supported um, sending $2,000 checks to every American as part of a COVID-19 relief package, and uh, multiple Republican senators and House of Representatives members at the time agreed with him and supported it. Then what do you know, two and a half months later, uh, when uh, the Democrats and Biden are ready to do many of the same things that were being proposed in December and January under the Trump administration, zero Republicans choose to do it. It's clearly more about politics and partisanship than about actually wanting to um, govern in any sort of responsible manner. Then the second question is, is actually a corollary to the first, is, is therefore, because the, the Republicans are being obstructionists for no reason, does it make sense to reform the filibuster? And in my opinion, and this is just my opinion, but in my opinion, the answer is yes, and they should have already done it. Um, and I think that there's some growing support for it. Um, as you alluded to in the open, uh, one of the most important matters is the passage of uh, House of Representatives Bill 1, which is a major federal voting reform legislation. Uh, We haven't had federal voting reform legislation since the 1964 Civil Rights Act, excuse me, Voting Rights Act. So it's been, um, you know, uh, 60 years nearly, uh, 57 years since since there's been similar legislation at the federal level. And as you pointed out, um, because of claims of, I mean, false, completely false claims of election fraud and voter fraud, um, many Republican uh, state legislatures, including our great state of Texas and in the states where, um, you know, the Republicans suffered some losses, like in Georgia, um, the state legislatures are filing all kinds of bills to restrict voting access. And so by passing H.R. 1, the federal voting rights legislation that's been passed by the House but is being stalled in the Senate, by passing H.R. 1 via um, a straight up or down vote of 51 Democrats to 50 Republicans, it would make it so the bills in the state legislatures of Texas and Georgia, et cetera, um, would be overridden by the federal law, which has supremacy. Um, There would almost certainly be some uh, constitutional litigation about that, uh, but I'm pretty confident that um, H.R. 1, if it were signed into law, would be upheld as constitutional, or at least most of it, by the Supreme Court. Um, So the the question, and I I, I promise you I'm getting there, the the question is, should the Democrats... Should should the Democrats pull the trigger on filibuster reform? Okay, and the answer is yes, because if they don't, and this is going to sound a bit hyperbolic, but I believe it's accurate. If they don't, free and fair elections become way more challenging in the future. Um, you'll recall that a Republican president has not won a pres- the popular vote at a presidential election for quite a long time. Um, George W. Bush did it in 2004, I believe, um, but uh, that was a blip and that was part of his post-9-11 bump. Um, the Republicans are less popular than the Democrats nationally and um, in a lot of local jurisdictions, and by making it harder for Democratic constituents to vote, 
they're trying to game elections and steal elections. It's anti-democratic. So by passing HR1, we will destroy the, we the Democratic Party will make elections more fair by allowing more people to vote, more Americans to legally vote. And um, the Republican Party knows that Mitch McConnell and um, other leaders of the Republican Party know that if H.R. 1 becomes the law of the land, it will be far, far more difficult to cheat and steal elections. And therefore, they will do everything in their power and their power is limited at this time, they will do everything in their power to stop that bill, including filibustering it to the end of the earth. If the Democrats were to change the rules to either require a straight up or down vote, 51 votes, or to require the, a talking filibuster to say, right. okay, Senator, if you want to stop the bill, stand up on the floor of the Senate and talk. And be counted. Um, and then when you be out be out there. Be out there with your beliefs. Hey, almost. Hold on. And not, not just that. The, the, go ahead. Go ahead. Go, go ahead. The, the minority, in in my view, a reform to the talking filibuster would require a quorum of the minority to be there. So not just one senator, one Republican senator standing up and reading the phone book. They would have to have forty Republican senators sitting in that room if they wanted to stop debate on a bill. And I think that that's more in line with what the filibuster was intended to do in the first place. Um, And uh, I would strongly support that. And what's very interesting is that Dick Durbin and today Joe Biden came out in favor. Dick Durbin is the number two Democrat in the Senate after Schumer. And then Joe Biden, the president, both today came out in favor of some form of reform of the filibuster. I think it's really going to happen. I think it is, too. Hold on one second. We need to uh, mm-hmm. go, and this is going to be our special guest tonight. Guys, I am so excited. I've known this guy for many, many years. Uh, country music superstar, in my opinion. He likes country star. I'll do that for him as a friend. Uh, seven number one hits, eight to, eight to ten million albums sold. Let's see if you've heard of him. about the LGBTQ community because since coming out as the very first male country artist, he is very involved with that organization and with GLAD. He's been given awards and things like that. He has a foundation that helps kids that have trouble coming out to their families. And we're going to talk about how COVID-19 has actually affected the music industry. Right now, back to the show. All you need to know radio and almost an hour talking about the filibuster. Is it going to happen? Is it time for the Republic, not the Republicans, the Democrats to finally grow a set and quit trying to be footsy footsy with the Republicans. They would not do the same thing with us. They would fight to the death. In fact, a Republican named John Ron Johnson, this infuriates me. But he was one of the ones that was in the insurrection that the former president set in motion and basically put together. More's going to come out about that. But he said that he was not scared of the people that were riding the, the uh, Capitol because they were loving Americans that love their guns. But if it were Black Lives Matter or another organization like that, he would have been terrified. That 
caused Senator Bob Mendez to call him a racist on the chamber floor. I mean, Mm -hmm. is it ever going to get better on us? Well, Ron Johnson is a grossly un-American traitor, and I have no problem saying that. Um, He went to Moscow on the 4th of July and has repeatedly parroted pro-Russian, pro-Putin talking points, um, both in the Senate chamber and in the news media. The, um, I, the, the, I forget exactly, the Joint Intelligence Chief, something like that, a organization of the, the CIA, the FBI, and multiple other uh, alphabet soup intelligence agencies, I believe today, this morning, came out with a report indicating that um, Vladimir Putin personally, for the 2020 election, this recent election, um, directed a campaign of disinformation in support of President Trump and anti-President Biden, um, pointing out that people like Rudy Giuliani and Ron Johnson um, were involved in parroting Russian disinformation on Fox News and OANN and Newsmax. So Ron Johnson, you know, he is a sitting senator from Wisconsin, and he is arguably a a foreign agent and guilty of treason and espionage. Um, Those are some pretty big, bold claims I'm making right there, but I'm reporting the facts as I see them. And, you know, it appears to be accurate Um, to to the extent that Mendez called him out on the floor of the Senate for being a liar. That's apparently entirely appropriate. Um, And it's actually a really big deal. It's actually a really big deal when someone gets on the Senate floor and calls someone out like that, isn't it? I mean, that's a. Almost unheard of. It, it, it never happens. It never happens. Um, and, and the reason is, you know, the Senate is supposed to be an august body with decorum. You're not supposed to get into a name-calling match. But when, you know, Ron Johnson's but, racist but when, comment but when we have children racist. in Congress, when we have children in the Senate, right. they act like children. And I, it, I don't know exactly. what happened if the GOP grossly non-serious time. <laughs> Back to the infant state. Well, no, oh, no, wait a minute. You, it's because of their former you, leader was such an immature brat. Go on. Right. No, you're right. I mean, you, you know, if they're going to act like children, they get, they're going to get called out like a child. And, you know, his behavior is odious outside of the racism, but the racism is just so obvious that it definitely deserves to be called out. Um, I could say a lot of other nasty things about Ron Johnson, but I will say that I'm very, very pleased that um, the government and the Department of Justice and the FBI appear to be really, really doing at least a pretty good job of – identifying and arresting the leaders of the Capitol riot. Um, I believe four indictments, federal indictments were issued this afternoon for leaders of the Proud Boys who uh, assisted in the planning of the um, insurrection. And what do they have to be proud of? Where did they come up with that stupid (laughs) name? What do they have to be proud of? They're all dropouts. I've done research on these guys. First of all, I was yeah. you were on the phone when that guy raked me over the coals for saying that I was saying the guy was a racist and the, the leader of the Proud Boys isn't even white. And then the gay community took over hashtag, hashtag Proud Boys gay and just wiped mm-hmm. them off the face of the map on social media. So what do they have to be proud of? Well, they're, they're like Western chauvinists, you know. They're, they're, their whole idea is, you know, I'm a – it, I, I hate it. It feels it feels bad to say it um, on the radio, but but their whole like because I don't want to give them a platform. Uh, but their their whole idea is it's very very briefly. Basically, um, we support you know we're alpha males, and the you know the 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 culture, and we're proud of being a man. You know we're proud of being a boy, and the the culture of kind of. Um, I'm going to use a nasty word, 
they use it as well. The pussification of America, um, where where you know men are no, you know boys aren't boys anymore, and you know there's uh, transgendered individuals and women in positions of power, um, and the workplace. You know their their whole idea is we're, we're proud of our heritage and we're proud of our kind of Western chauvinist roots, and so where most people in America and Canada and you know Western Europe are um, embarrassed by their Western chauvinist roots and are actively working to try to make um, an egalitarian society where uh, women and people of color are um, equal in not just um, letter of law, but also in outcome and spirit and how it really works out for them. The the proud boys are like the exact opposite. They're like, look at our great history of sexism and racism. Uh, we want to continue that. That's our heritage. So that's what they're proud of, to answer your question directly, even though it's I mean, they're they're basically terrorists, and yeah, they, I believe they're, they were they're, charged they're with terrorism Ameri- today. They're American yeah. domestic terrorists, and yes, that's what they were charged with. Um, right. Okay. Here's off the kind of with the Proud Boys because if you'll remember, this mm-hmm. idiot <laughs> said, "Stand proud, stand ready, blah 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 blah." So uh, stand back and stand by, Donald Trump. <laughs> His name will not be mentioned on this radio. I beg your pardon. Oh, excuse me. He said that though. <laughs> I'm, I'm messing with you. But have you yeah. heard the scuttlebutt that he wants credit for the vaccine? So now the COVID nineteen vaccine is doing so well, and I think we've uh, done like sixty million consumers have been vaccinated or maybe it's a little bit lower but we're doing over the numbers over i've seen today are twi- in the arm every the, the day. numbers i saw t- the, yes sir the number i saw today is that 22 percent of all americans have at least one dose and 12 excuse me 22 percent of adults have at least one dose and 12 percent of americans are fully vaccinated that is up from something like two percent when biden took office so well, the other significant increase clown did is that mm-hmm. he got mad at the Republicans. Are you sitting down? <laughs> um, he sent them yeah. a cease and desist letter telling they do no. not have the authority to use his name any longer. He's such a moron. And once again, I go back to the attorneys that he has on staff, or I guess they're only doing what he says. I guess we can hope that they're not that stupid. When you're a public figure such as the President of the United States, you don't get that right. You can't tell somebody that you right. can't do and, and right. you know, it, it's more along the lines of contractually with the Republican Party, you know, as the Republican president and the Republican nominee, he, like, took their money and he took their support and he took their um, organizational structure. And I believe, I mean, I'm not – I haven't actually reviewed the actual contracts, but it is my understanding that, that, that his agreements with the Republican Party to be their nominee and things like that make it so actually uh, he has no – he's just wrong about it from a legal perspective. They actually do have the right to use his name and likeness in fundraising appeals. So um, – my understanding is that in response to that letter sent by Trump's lawyers, the RNC, Republican National Committee, sent him a letter in response that basically said, we're going to do it anyway. You have no legal right to stop us. Um, they did do that. And, but you know what else yeah. they did? They sent him a bunch of money. Huh. <laughs> really? They like, yeah. Well, I guess that doesn't surprise me. Well, I mean, you know, he. They're so scared of him, and I, I just don't get it. He's a, just a fat orange man. I mean, I'm not being mean. And then, and then also, <laughs> yes. not starting any rumors, but there have been a couple of pictures mm-hmm. that were taken at Mar-a-Lago that looks like a, there's a mm-hmm. huge mass on the right side of his face. And it's just barely visible, but you know me, I really look at pictures. And mm-hmm. it doesn't look good. It, he does not look healthy at all. 
I don't think well, he'll Well, I mean, make he's, a, he's an old man, and he wasn't healthy during his presidency. You know, I wouldn't be surprised oh, if he was having health issues. You know, he he um, had a JAG officer stand up there and say he's the most healthiest president that he's ever seen. He even said drug right. officer, okay, we found out, <laughs> that he was saying I that believe Ronnie Jackson, be, that doctor. Yes, exactly. He, he became a con- that Ronnie Jackson, that doctor, became a congressman. He's currently a, in the House of Representatives. He's a congressman, I believe, from the state of Texas. In Texas, and yeah, and um, he uh, some some reporting was released a couple of weeks ago. It wasn't that long ago that indicates that he had a the doctor who who gave Trump his clean bill of health. That that doctor has serious misconduct issues while the presidential physician um, and after he was no longer the presidential physician doing things like um, drinking excessive amounts of liquor, combining it with Ambien while on the job. Um, I, I don't judge people's substance abuse. I understand everyone has their demons, but to, to get drunk and to take Ambien at the same time while you're the doctor for the president on a foreign trip, it, it's just grossly unacceptable. Um, this was Obama, and, you know that? It was Obama and yeah, Trump that he, that he served. Right. Yes, I did know that. And then yeah. he also had some pretty um, uh, vile-sounding um, – kind of sexual harassment issues or, or um, maybe sexual misconduct issues with female staffers. And I'm, again, I, you know, he, apparently he's single and I, I don't judge people for their vices, but it seems like it's a mistake to elect that man to the House of Representatives if he can't act in a adult and rational manner, um, you know, and comport himself professionally. We don't want those people to be our representatives. But, of course, we have Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert and all these other wackadoodles, so um, what can you do? You, you know, I actually had someone on Facebook the other day say, isn't Facebook and social media boring since Donald Trump is not on there? And I put, mm. hell no. In big capital letters. <laughs> and the lady underneath me put, bite your tongue clean off. We do not need that monster on social media, which I thought was really funny. Well, <laughs> I think it's interesting that the media um, and the Republicans are given so much attention to these non-issue culture war issues. Like I believe we discussed on the program last week, the, the cancel culture issue with like Dr. Seuss. Um, what what I'm finding is that certain media outlets like Fox, but also some of the kind of more um, middle of the road ones like CNN are in fact reporting on that because they need ratings and Donald Trump gave them ratings. But then some of the more serious media outlets like just for example, the New York Times um, – their reporting on the story has been about the story has been about the uh, media, not about the story itself. And it's about, you know, the GOP's lack of policy and the media's um, need for a replacement for the ratings boost of Donald Trump, that Donald Trump provided um, rather than about the substance of the story. And what that leads me to believe is that in the future, as, those liberal media or um, perhaps more um, reality-based media like the New York Times, they, they set the, the landscape for, for other smaller media companies. And, and as those smaller media companies start to kind of wake up to the fact that they can make just as much money and get as many clicks by reporting on how crazy the Republicans are rather than reporting on the factual substance of their story. I mean, it's absolutely insane. A private company d- decided that they wanted to um, self-censor to align their, their product in the marketplace with 21st century ideas. 
They censored six books out of 400, and it became a national media story where the Republicans were, were not debating the incredibly popular COVID-19 bill, and instead were trying to push a false narrative. Companies' uh, self-censorship was somehow Biden and the Democrats' fault. And the reporting on them being insane is just as interesting or more interesting. In my opinion, it's more interesting than the reporting on the actual substance of whether or not Dr. Seuss's cancel culture. Um, so I, I, I think that there's a change in the media landscape like that there, and I'm hopeful that um, we continue to see more people focused on what the Republicans are, are actually doing and saying rather than listening to their false culture war narratives. Absolutely. Hey, real quick, let's take a quick break, and hopefully mm-hmm. Ty Herndon will be joining us very soon. We're going to just take one one commercial, and we will be right back because I want to talk about the $15 an hour before he gets on. But if not, if it's okay, absolutely. We'll time after, if you don't, then we can do it next week. This is Britney Spears Circus. If you haven't seen Britney framing Britney Spears, it's turned the whole way a artist is treated by the media on its head. And I really highly recommend you watch it. Go to YouTube and just type in framing Britney Spears. This is the pop princess herself. Happier than ever. Now her daddy doesn't have control of her money and she doesn't feel held prisoner. This is Circus. We'll be right back. I'm all you, this is All You Need to Know Radio. I'm your host, John Hollywood. We are heard exclusively on Blog Talk Radio. Tonight's show is brought to you by American Wealth USA Group. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. Hey, is anybody out there looking for some advertising that you will definitely get some response from? Well, All You Need to Know Radio is ready to open up our market, and we're only going to be taking just a few people as uh, commercials, and we have an executive sponsor at this time. However, we are always looking for different things. If you're interested in advertising with us, you get personalized service like uh This is John Hollywood, your host of All You Need to Know Radio. I write your own commercial. I ask you a few questions about your business, and um, we can talk about price. We can talk about uh, me voicing the commercial. We can talk about how we can help your business expand, and it won't cost you an arm and a leg. Once again, All You Need to Know Radio wants to know, do you want to make some more money for your business? If you do... Then go to All You Need to Know Radio on Facebook and let us know. just listen to that song all night long it's so amazing aerosmith i don't want to lose the thing you like that song on this i mean yeah it's beautiful it's it's a classic yeah back in the day like when they did it it was some movie about an asteroid which i forgot what it Liv tyler was in it uh armageddon God. bruce willis that's another classic <laughs> Yeah, I knew you'd remember. Hey, listen, we've just been notified by Ty's people. He'll be joining us in about 10 minutes. Let's talk about the $15 minimum wage. Why can we not get this passed? Why is this such a big deal? We have not had a change. We're at $7.25 an hour. And I think it's been that way for like 10 years or something like that. More, over, over 20, I believe. And they're not even talking about raising it uh, to, to $15 an hour right away. They're talking about doing it to like $9 then the next year. I mean, it's like over five years to even get it. Graduated. There. I don't get it. 
Well, I mean, um, eight Democratic senators voted against the amendment to the minimum wage bill. Um, all 50 Republican senators voted against it, and it was something like 58 to 42. Um, I think that's the right numbers. Um, a lot of the kind of, I would call them uh, blue dog or more conservative Democrats are the ones that voted against it. So Angus King, who's technically an independent but always caucuses with the Democrats from Maine, I think both the New Hampshire senators, Tester from um, Montana, Cinema from Arizona, and uh, Manchin from West Virginia. I think that's all the. I think I just said the list are the Democratic senators that voted against it. There is no question that the American people want it. It is a highly popular policy. Um, when polled, it polls very, very well. Um, there are some people who worry about employers and um, how the COVID, excuse me, how the $15 an hour minimum wage would have a negative effect on employment. Um, I understand that argument. It's a reasonable argument. There have been some economic studies by some economists, uh, including some nonpartisan um, governmental economists that, that seem to indicate that it would not have a major net negative effect on jobs. Some jobs would be affected, but it wouldn't be a major thing. So if it's, if it's basically popular and basically a good policy, why hasn't it passed? Why, has, why did 50 Republicans and eight Democrats Eight, well, 50 Republican senators and eight Democratic senators voted against it in the in the Senate when it came up for a vote about two weeks ago. Why why did that happen? That's a very complicated political question, and it and it goes into history and other things. Um, can I be blunt? Is, is can it, I be blunt? Go ahead. You brought you brought yep. up a poll that said the American people are for this. And I keep hearing the American people were for the stimulus bill. I keep hearing the American people like 70 percent. So you're not even talking about 50 yep. percent, which is the threshold for where yeah, everybody It's not 51. We're talking about 70 percent. Here's my question. Mm -hmm. Does it even really yeah. matter to these people in government if the American people want it or not? That's a very good question, John, and that's a philosophical question. I think the answer to your question is – Empirically, no, it doesn't, but in theory, it should. So there's the, – excuse me. When the theory and the practice are different like that, because in theory, we're, these people are representatives, right? We're supposed to be a Republican democracy where the people control the government, right? That's how it's supposed to work. Um, but when the government – doesn't actually do what the people want, there's some sort of disconnect there. The process is off. And there's a pretty famous political science study, and it's, it's pretty old at this point, probably over 15 years old at this point, from Princeton that um, showed quite clearly that the policy preferences of the American people are not what is typically debated and um, passed as law by the federal government. But if you compare it to the policy preferences of the very wealthy, then actually the federal government is extremely responsive to their policy preferences. So your question of, you know, they don't care about what the Americans want, that's apparently true from a, an empirical, you're, you're taking a look at the science. They, they actually don't do what the American people want. What do they do? Because it's not like they do nothing. Well, well they do for, what the wealthy want. And, and, for, it, and, and it's basically an oligarchy. For my pro thought process, mm -hmm. is if they're not happy with what they're doing, then our thing is to vote them out. So if we don't vote them right. out, we get what we deserve. Right, exactly. And that's why not just you know elections for senator are important, but elections for primaries for senators are important because, look, we, whether we like it or not, we've got a two-party system. You know, Democrats and Republicans are pretty much the only ones who can compete for things like United States Senate. So that makes the Democratic primary for the state of New Hampshire incredibly important. Both Democrats 
Democratic senators from the state of New Hampshire voted against the $15 an hour minimum wage. If the people who are Democrats in New Hampshire, and by the way, a majority of New Hampshireites are Democrats. So, you know, if those people are unhappy with that vote, their remedy is to run a more progressive candidate in the primary and then vote for them in the general. And, but, you know, people are so far removed from, from politics and from understanding what the government's really doing, and the media makes it so incredibly challenging to understand what the government's really doing, um, both with intentional disinformation as well as, you know, unintentional reporting for – you know, the Grammys, which I love, but it's just not as important as taxation. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. On the Grammys, you know, did, it may, did you see the Grammys? Oh, my God. If I had I kids, saw, I, saw part I of it. would have covered their highs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, WAP was quite a uh, quite a performance. Uh, um, please don't say what that means. <laughs> I can't. My, my – one of my one of my favorite uh, bluegrass artists, a guy named Billy Strings, won yeah. won for best bluegrass album, and um, he's really deserving. He's an incredibly talented artist, so I'm glad that he got some recognition. Um, I think uh, JD, Dami, and Beck won something too, and I like them. Um, but uh, the, my my point is with regards to the the politics and you know voting for the right candidate, it's not enough to just vote in presidential elections for the Democrat and say, oh, I've done a good job. Um, right. You know, if, if, you really, if you really care about policy, not just politics and who won, but policy, right. what the government actually does, you've got to get involved and you know, do research hey, on the primary candidates. Go ahead. But I'm being told yeah. that Ty is being mic'd up and he's about to be with us. Here we go. All right. Um, I'm gonna go ahead. Are you stay? Are you stay with us? Yeah, I'll stay with you for just a minute. I want to let okay. you uh, talk to Todd. Okay. I thought I knew the boy so well. Absolutely loved it. 
Um, oh Y'all have a wonderful so evening, and uh, Ty, thank, you, thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, absolutely. Thank you so much. Nice to meet you. I think uh, it's interesting yep. to know that – it's interesting to know – can you hear me? He didn't can hear you. He just went off there, but he can hear you. Oh, no. It's, it's interesting to know that the, the, the different levels of – in different countries, what country music is, because if you, I mean, you go to Canada, it's a little bit different. You go to, to, to Paris, I mean, there's country music in Paris. And just, it's so you go to Japan, it's hilarious. I mean, they're just they're, everybody's still line dancing and wearing big cowboy hats. It's just so fun. But <laughs> I love that. Uh, I want to chat with him sometimes about what country music looks like in his home country. Absolutely, we make that happen. Okay, so you know, you and I talk on the phone all the time, and we got to talking, and I was like, so how is COVID hitting your industry, and specifically you personally? Do, do you mind sharing that? I think people think there are some people that it really did not affect at all. Well, you know, it's kind of interesting. Uh, I heard uh, a a very famous friend of mine relate to it the other day when she said, um, we, 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 the the country music or the music industry, the movie industry, entertainment industry has become the Island of misfit toys. And I thought that was so interesting because, you know, I, I, um, um, whether I was sitting talking to Luke Bryan in, in, in Florida the other day, and he just walked in and said hello. And I said, man, you missed the road. He goes, it is the most awful thing in the world <laughs> um, to have to sit at home and not do your art and not do your craft. Now, you know, we can sit at home and play our guitars and sing songs, and I know we've all written a lot of songs, but um, when it comes to music and it comes to um, your state of mind, because I'm doing a lot of mental health things right now, uh, with different organizations, um, it really is kind of like um, taking away your right arm. Your, it, it's, it's, it's very crippling because your mentality is um, – it, it's, it, I've done this my whole life. So it, it's very much a part of who I am, and it feels like a part of my identity was stolen. <laughs> and it, it's so interesting because our city is in such a um, disarray right now. We're uh, From CMA to the Grammys – the, all, all of their funding to help musicians that are unemployed right now is is pretty much drying up, and and I know you know I I I'm definitely not you know a, a billionaire superstar, but I'm I'm doing all I can for benefits and things to help help our musicians and and our arts to just for example, John, there's 140 venues that I play around the country, and not only is it affecting the artists, but the venues are closing. So I've lost 25 venues. When I say I, that means another 150 artists that play those venues throughout the year. Those venues are now closed. They're no longer with us, and maybe they won't reopen. And so from trickling down from the moment a song is on the radio to the moment you get to play for 30 people or you play for 30,000 people, um, nothing's happening. <laughs> so it's 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 it's. It's been kind of tragic. It's well, nice and to, I, rem- to see people. I remember when it's you very nice first people, started, you were playing yeah. for like 10 and 15 and 20 people, and you give 150%. I can't even imagine what it's like knowing you, knowing the artistic person you are, the personable person you are, and you like to give it out on stage and to have that ripped out from under you. That, it's just sad. It's just sad that's where well, the worst worlds come from. Well, we just we've we've had to rebuild the house. You know, uh, sometimes the house burns down, and you, and, the, and the phoenix rises from the ashes. And I'm 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 very little talking about myself right now. I'm just talking about a community of of of, of people. I mean, I I sat and watched um, uh, one of my neighbors who plays for a pretty prominent artist. You know, I, I, I I saw him hand the keys to his car to somebody because he had to sell it. You know, I, I saw another friend, you know, sell his house and, and, and moved into an apartment. You know, but you know what? As we say in this business, thank God there was an apartment to be had. And thank God there was a solution. And exactly. we take, so, the, you, we take ahead, the lemonade, man. And we, we like Miranda Lambert's new Grammy winning song, you know. <laughs> I love that <laughs> we, song. We, yeah. I mean, it, that woman can sing anything and you just love it. I mean, something about her. She's just pure country, no matter what she does in life. So ah, she's all right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, artists that have made millions of dollars over the years. Do you get the impression that they're taking care of their people that have been with them for years? Like, 
when they're they're suffering just as much. But you know, like I'm not saying Tim McGraw's not doing this, but I'm just using Tim McGraw. He's a multi multi millionaire. So like, is his staff being laid off? Would you think, or do you know anything about what artists are doing on that on that side? I was speaking to the positive part of that. I mean, uh, uh, there there's so many amazing artists that are fully taking care of their people, and uh, um, Eric Church, for example, man, he's you know, and he was supposed to head out on a stadium tour, but and that didn't happen, and so. Uh, you know, he he immediately started taking care of all of his people and making sure their houses were taken care of, making sure their cars and their families, you know. Um, and I, I would there, – there are a lot that did and a lot that didn't. And it just – it's interesting, um, the level of compassion, you know. But in here, here in Nashville, you know, we, we don't sit around, man. <laughs> you know, a devastating tornado hit, hit in my neighborhood – uh, you know, a, a, a week before this, the pan, the shutdown, man, and there, this, the, some of the debris is still there, and and just to see this community, I, I saw a, a, an elderly man and woman pull, in their masks, of course, taking a walk, pulling a wagon, the other day through the neighborhood, just still picking up some debris just to be helpful. You know, just it's it's this community is amazing. We take care of our own. Uh, I, I sang for a, an event the other night through Music Cares with Tim McGraw and a bunch of artists that. And that raised a bunch of money to help families in need, you know, and right now it's just a mental health thing too, because, you know, you're, you're, you're living your dream that you've worked your whole life for one minute. And then a lot of these artists, there were seven, eight artists that had their first number one records during COVID. And you, you know, they'll, they'll never know. Including you. Well, I did, but you know, back in the day, I, I got to sing, I got to sing my number one record for 20,000 people, but, uh, with the, the the moment that it is number one, you know, there'll be plenty of opportunities for these guys to be out and tour their dates coming up in the future. But that moment that it really happens, so I think Blake Sheldon, I think it was Blake, is doing a cool thing. I think, I think, was it? I think so. If not, I'm giving him a cool credit. Is <laughs> <laughs> well, going to take the, the stadium here in Nashville and and take all seven of those artists and let them sing their number one record when we can fill up the stadium, so they'll know what it feels like to have it right That'd there. So awesome. I think that was pretty. Cool. That's a ticket I'd buy. Um, Me too. So let's talk about this. You have a brand new fan club that allows people to actually <laughs> see you, and they see new videos that other people don't get to see. They get to see you playing the piano, which I've known you for a very long time. I had no idea you did that. Uh, talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Patreon, I think it's called. Well, uh, yeah, Patreon. Patreon is a, is a great platform to – you know, it's it's ten dollars a month, and I was as we were doing online shows and, and, and you know trying to make ends meet, take care of our people and stuff. I started thinking about it. You know, back in the day, we had we had a, a, a ten dollar fan club. That's not all that expensive. You know, for you get all this this these cool perks and stuff. And I started thinking about it, uh, and I started laughing. I'm like, goodness gracious, we sure are giving a lot of free content away here that that we that we actually spend money on and work hard to do. And uh, my man, my manager goes, well, you know. There is a there's a chance to, to to turn that revenue into things that we can put back into the fans. So if you're investing in us, we're investing it back in you. And that's not to pay a car payment. That's not to pay a house. It's about making music, making T-shirts, making vinyl records. And so we just kind of rebranded a little bit. It's like, hey, what you know what, guys? <laughs> All 350,000 y'all over at Facebook land. Come on over to Patreon and get some cool. Sh- I started to say the S word. Get some cool stuff. That's the that's an S word. <laughs> <laughs> it is an S word. I mean, guys out there in America and around the world, listen up. I didn't even ask Ty, and I know he would have made me a member. At least I think he would have. I went ahead and I joined it for the simple fact that I support the arts. And if we don't support the arts, eventually we're not going to have them. And I mean, we're yeah. weathering this incredible pandemic. And it's taken who, who it, it, it took, it's taken people's lives here in Dallas. Like it was a black, Charlie. Yeah. Who was that? It was a black artist. Um, oh God, I can't remember his name. Then Charlie Pride was it? Anyway, he died of COVID here in Dallas. Yes, it's Charlie. And, that was that was Mr. Charlie Pride. Yes. Yeah, and that was that was a very sad thing. A friend of mine that was a nurse on the ward when it happened, I heard about it way before it happened, and it was just beyond sad. Yeah. Yeah, we lost so, a bunch of artists, man. Joe Dippy, Joe Dippy, uh, and quite quite a few friends. 
But and I, I, before you ask me the next question, I want to say this to, to everyone listening out there: if you were fortunate enough through this whole uh, this whole pandemic to 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 keep your job and keep your livelihood, and I know so many were, and that's such a blessing. Thank God for that. But make sure you you, you walk around your neighborhood and check on your neighbors. Make sure you check on uh, the person that might have been depending on being waiting tables for a living or or stacking groceries or or, or uh, you know in the entertainment industry. Just just check out your neighbors, man, and make sure they're okay because sometimes. You know, a bag of groceries goes a long ways. Hey, and tell him Ty Hearn. Hey, I'm coming over here to check on you because Ty Herndon said I should. <laughs> I get your fitness <laughs> for a little bit more. Amen. There you go, brother. <laughs> All right. So also, you have a foundation. Let's talk about that because I love this foundation, and it yeah. helps uh, LGBTQ kids. Can you explain all about that? Yeah, man, we started this, I came out in 2014, and I just, I wanted to infuse back into the whole system of of youth out there that you can live your dreams, and you can be whatever you want in this world, just have to work hard like everybody else, and and and, and just lead with your dream, and, um, and what I found out real quick was, you know, there's just, there's so many uh, kids living under bridges and, and in foster homes, and and I just I wanted to do something about that. And so the Foundation for Love and Acceptance helps educate people, and we give out scholarships. And uh, every year we, we work with a lot of up-and-coming artists, and we give away um, our Rising Star Awards, which come with a scholarship. And uh, we just we help out families throughout the year that, that may need our assistance. So And we are an educated brand. We just want to educate people on doing the right things. You've re-recorded Carrie Underwood's major hit, So Small. And what I found incredible and just amazing beyond belief and heart-wrenching, but a positive way, that you really weren't in the video that much. You were in it in the shadows, but you were focusing on the kids that were bullied and made fun of, you know, in their lives. And you showed them how to... To a, in a positive way. Can you talk a little bit about that photo shoot? I know it meant a lot to you. <laughs> yeah, the video was amazing. We you know, Carrie loved it as well. She was so gracious to to support uh, the the uh, uh, the project. And uh, just, there, just a, there's a kid, a, a group of kids here called the Rainbow Squad, and they're just kind of made up of misfits. I was that's what they call themselves. Just we they they take they wear that badge proudly. They're like, yeah, we're a bunch of, a bunch of misfits who love each other. And I'm like, well, I'm a misfit. <laughs> Heck yeah, and we just we just featured uh, a lot of um, uh, non-binary, trans, uh, bisexual, um, gay um, uh, kids that just were needing a confidence boost. And we put them in this awesome video. And they got to face paint. They got to paint their their favorite um, designs on their face. And you can go to my website or YouTube and just and type in "so small" um, by my, by Ty Herndon, and you'll that video will pop up and it's take a look at it. And um, you can uh, um, put a, you can put a smile on your face. It's pretty fun. Hey guys, I can actually tell you that you can go to YouTube and type in Ty Hearn is so small. And that is the very first video that pops up. And it's, it's a very, John, I, was, I was trying to, I was, I was trying to get them to my <laughs> website first so that maybe they'll buy something. <laughs> well, isn't Ty Herndon.com up still up? Oh Lord. Yes. Yeah. 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 There's that website. Spend more money on that web, probably spend more money on that website than I do cologne. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I like the idea of the fan club, and I really encourage everybody to go out there and support the art, especially if it's your favorite artist. Like, you know, Ty is yes. one of my favorite artists. I'm a little biased, I'll be honest. I've known him for quite a while. <laughs> In fact, I, we won't, I won't say anything about it. Did you see the picture I sent you? That is the yeah, that very made, first. That was, made, that, was made, that was made 80 years ago. And that was standing outside your little bitty trailer. <laughs> do you remember that day? Because I do. You were there. You were there also with my sisters. So that was kind of funny on top of itself. Okay, so what else did you want to talk about? I mean, you know, one thing that I love when I talk to you is you're always upbeat, exciting, and you're blowing up on Instagram right now. Are you married? When are you putting out a new album? That's what we need to talk about. So we got some new music well, coming, right? I am not married, and um, um, I am currently working on a uh, a brand new album that we will we will release the title of the album here in the next two weeks. 
it's a concept album and it is um, written original album written by me and a bunch of my friends and it will be released August 1st and it's going to be uh, one of the most demanding and amazing projects I've ever done. Can you give us any, uh, any hints of what artists will be on there with you? Um, I can't. I mean, even for you. I, <laughs> I thought so. <laughs> I thought so. I really did. Thank you so Absolutely. much for spending some time with us. I know that Absolutely, you're very man. busy. Thank you. Uh, also, course, love and acceptance. I'm excited. Yes. You told we me that I get to because... be as part of sponsor on that. So grateful that we get to do that. Yes. You got, we can't, thank we can't you. Thank you. without you telling them about love and acceptance. Well, number one, thank you for your $30,000. That was so sweet of you. And number two, <laughs> <laughs> and number two, we, country, uh, CMA Music Fest is, is, is canceled again this year. Um, so uh, they'll be doing some stuff online, but we moved the date. The Love and Acceptance concert will be June the 30th this year. Um, it will be a live telecast this this year um, on on a major network that we, 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 we can't tell you about yet, but stay tuned. I know that John will tell you when it's time. Absolutely, I will tell you. I'll tell you everything soon. We'll have it all on all of our social media. Also, we're going to have on our social media how you can join his new fan club. Guys, go out there and show him some love, man. Seriously. I've known this guy for many, many years. And like I was starting to say is that I love talking to him because he, he brings the light out of you. I don't know how oh, any other you. to say it. It doesn't matter if his day's going bad. Or whatever he he can read people he and he can see when people need a true friend, and I can't tell you how well, much I, I appreciate that tonight. Well, thank you, brother. I I, I I love you guys out there, and John love you. And uh, I forgot to tell you guys if you join Patreon right now, you get a free T-shirt. There you go. <laughs> Where's my T-shirt? <laughs> well, you probably put the wrong mailing address in. <laughs> I probably did. One last question. Everybody yep. wants to know. How was it working with the incomparable, the iconic Christina Chenoweth? Uh, Christine Chenoweth is one of my best friends on the planet, and it's like uh, it's like rolling into the studio and uh, uh, sitting down and working with one of the, the world class best vocalists on the planet, and um, and we giggle while we do it. She's she's amazing. She's she is she's a lover of people. That's for sure. We're lucky to have her on this planet. She she is just incredible. Well, thank you so much. We are gonna. You want to say anything to your fans before we close out? Sure. Just wrap up everything I just said in one big bubble and check on your neighbors. That's what I got to say. All right. See you guys. Hey, by the way, <laughs> one of the most exciting things we put up. I want to dance with somebody that you covered from Whitney Houston. So many yeah. people loved that video. I mean, they just thought you looked like you were having so much fun. And uh, well, I, cool. I, promise, I promise, I promise next time I'll Google the words because I sang the words wrong. But thanks for loving it anyway. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. I love you, my Bye, friend. Keep doing it. All right, guys. All that right. was country music. Thank you so much, my friend. All right, so this is country music star Ty Herndon with Christina Chetterwig, and this is Orphans of God that went number one during COVID-19. Make sure you go to iTunes or Google Play and support the arts. It's so important. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us. I'm John Hollywood, your host with All You Need to Know Radio. Here is Ty Herndon and Christina Chetterwig. We're live from Dallas, Texas, and All You Need to Know Radio's Studios. The show tonight was brought to you by American Wealth USA Group. Good night.